The following audio is from the Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. I missed that Raisin Brand comment in the first service. I didn't hear that. That's new. Hello. Good morning. Lovely people. Good to see you. It's really bright up here, in case you've never been up here before. Um, I am Kristen. I am Nick's sister-in-law, um, Heather's older sister. I have been in this church um, ever since I was little, little, and then we moved away so many times, and then we've, I'm, I've come home. I've come back. I do love to read. I think you've got the picture now. Um, I love it so much, in fact, that I went back to school. I went to back to school three times and uh, finally got my degree in theology with a minor in English. And when I was single, I would often take all my books and all my stuff and go to the coffee shops and just study. That's what I did for fun. <laughs> and um, so that, I, I just come by it naturally. I can't help it. So today, we are continuing last week's series on friendship. Uh, Pastor Aaron talked about being an actual friend versus looking like one and how it's so much easier being friendly than being a friend. And I'm going to sort of jump from there. Um, one aspect is, of, of friendship really is tough love. And it's what Proverbs calls wounds of a friend. And it's found in chapter 27 of Proverbs. You can turn there now because I'm going to read this in a minute. And I'm going to read the whole chapter, but I timed it last night. It's only three minutes long, okay? So don't worry. When I use the term friends, I want you to go ahead and assume friends, but then spouses, siblings, co-workers, anyone in your inner circle, that emotional inner circle, your sphere of influence. I want you to assume that when I say that word because I think it applies to this. And tough love can range anywhere on the spectrum from you have lipstick on your teeth and I don't want you to embarrass yourself to you're about to make a really terrible life choice and I want to save you from that. Or maybe it's just, I've been around that corner where you're headed, and it's not headed to good places. And I want to, I love you enough to risk making you mad at me to tell you that I think that you need to make some uh, changes. Before we get back to our topic, friendship, I want to take a little scenic byway. I am not a morning person. And what I mean by that is when I get up out of bed in the morning and go into the other room, the first thing I want to do is sit back down. You know who else is not a morning person? God. Now, I'm kidding, maybe, of course. I'll let you decide. But this verse came out of his brain, okay? Proverbs 27, 14. Here we go. If you shout a pleasant greeting to your neighbor too early in the morning, it will be counted as a curse. 
I'm not kidding. That's in there, right next to John 3.16, God so loved the world, Ten Commandments, Revelation, David and Goliath, all those epic stories. That little morning scripture is right in the middle of the Bible. And I'm going to answer, why does God care about how I speak in the morning in a minute? But first, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that your word is a light to our feet. It allows us to see where we're going. And I ask that you'd help us to pay attention to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read Proverbs 27. Here we go. Some of you have read this before. Some of you have never uh, wandered into Proverbs, so this is going to be quite, quite the thing for you. You're going to notice that it sounds different than the rest of the Bible. Here we go. Verse 1. Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Don't praise yourself. Let others do it. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but the resentment caused by a fool is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but who can survive the destructiveness of jealousy? An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a friend, this is where we'll come back to. Wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Honey seems tasteless to a person who is full, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. A person who strays from home is like a bird that strays from its nest. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. Then in your time of need, you won't have to ask your relatives for assistance. It is better to go to a neighbor than to a relative who lives far away. My child, how happy I will be if you turn out to be wise. Then I will be able to answer my critics. A prudent person foresees the danger ahead and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Be sure to get collateral from anyone who guarantees the debt of a stranger. Get a deposit if someone guarantees the debt of an adulterous woman. If you shout a pleasant greeting to your neighbor too early in the morning, it will be counted as a curse. A nagging wife is as annoying as the constant dripping on a rainy day. Trying to stop her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or hold something with greased hands. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Workers who tend a fig tree are allowed to eat its fruit in the same way Workers who protect their employer's interests will be rewarded. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the person. Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but a person is tested by being praised. You cannot separate fools from their foolishness, even though you grind them like grain with a mortar and pestle. 
Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds, for riches don't last forever, and the crown might not be secure for the next generation. After the hay is harvested, the new crop appears, and the mountain grasses are gathered in. Your sheep will provide wool for clothing, and your goats will be sold for the price of a field. And you will have enough goat's milk for you, your family, and your servants. Before we come back to this, I am going to use a tiny little prop. It's kind of clumsy. Many of you familiar with the snow globe. This is a rain globe because it's the Seattle uh, skyline. That's the word I want. It's the Seattle skyline snow globe. Little clumsy, but I want to illustrate a very large idea that I hope will permanently tweak how you see the secular and the sacred, what's often termed like that, what, what happens on a Sunday morning and what happens on a Friday night, what happens when you read your Bible and versus when you brush your teeth. Um, second thing, I hope it builds your confidence in being God's child because you belong in his world. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Now, you may have heard that before. Okay, yep, we, we've heard that. But, now I want you to use your imagination here. I want you to imagine with me that this snow globe is the world. Yes, it's small. Yes, it might be silly and clumsy. But if you hang with me, it's going to be a good payoff here. This is God's world. It is in his hands. Now let's have some fun. Imagine your favorite movie star. Maybe you guys went to the movies this weekend. Imagine your favorite movie star. For me, it was Johnny Depp. This is before I got married. I thought, well, what if we ran into each other? <laughs> um, maybe it's Jessica Alba. Who else is? I don't even know who's big right now. Anyway, just it doesn't, it doesn't matter who, but imagine that person, okay? Rich, powerful, sophisticated, beautiful, untouchable, and that person seems to be living in another world. They seem to have the world at their fingertips, but they're in the globe. They are in God's world. They don't know it. They may deny God's existence, but there's no escape. Or maybe imagine the most stubborn atheist. Maybe you know someone personally. Or maybe you've read Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, and um, they sound so smart. They can run circles around you intellectually. Maybe it's someone in your family that, that makes you feel so little and you start maybe to doubt God yourself because they seem to have all the answers. That person is in the globe. They would hate it but they breathe God's air. The most powerful people, the government, everything is inside the globe. Your dad, your heavenly father owns it all. And like the song we sang this morning, his love is literally the air we're breathing. Or maybe it's you. Maybe you live like there's no God. Maybe you think God is just one of the options 
in the buffet line of choices. Yeah, I, uh, we go to church, but this person doesn't. But he's not, he's not a choice. He's not in the buffet of choices. He runs the whole show. You can deny it all you want, but it doesn't make it less true. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. C.S. Lewis said it this way. When you argue against God or against him, you are arguing against the very power that makes you able to argue at all. It is like cutting off the branch you're sitting on. Or Flannery O'Connor, she's the novelist, southern novelist, said the truth does not change according to our ability to stomach it. The truth is we all of us are in his world. There is a God and we're in the globe. God knows who Brad Pitt is. He knows who Wonder Woman is. He knows who Bill Gates is. He knows what Candy Crush is, what Pinterest is. You know why? It's all in the globe. There's, there's no other outside of that. Everything is in the globe. Everything in the world, everything is in his hands. There's no escape. There's no escape. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This is why, I'm getting back to the question that I asked earlier, this is why the morning blessing matters to him. It's in the globe. The morning is his. Psalm 19.4, the sun lives in the heavens where, where God placed it. Nothing can hide from its heat. All the earth, everything we do, God cares about. Is it in the globe? He sees and he cares. All right, let's go back to Proverbs, back to friendship. And I'm sure you know the answer to this by now. I hope you do. But why does friendship matter? It's in the globe. And there's a reason why all the pastors... Pastor Nick, they're constantly trying to say, let's read the Bible together, read the Bible in a year, because everything that exists, everything you face, God knows about it, created it, has a plan, and it's all in the Word of God. So you better find out what He wants you to do. That's why it's immensely practical to figure out what it says. Our primary passage about friendship this morning is found in Proverbs. I'm going to spend a minute talking through Proverbs and what that book really is. Proverbs as a book pays more attention to wisdom and practical living than anywhere else in Scripture. It covers finances, parenting, marriage, morality, jealousy, laziness, gossip, and yes, friendship. And that's just to name a few. Its author, who authored most, if not all, was Solomon. He wrote the book of Proverbs. He's from famous parents, David and Bathsheba. And you may be wondering, well, how did this guy get so smart? He asked for it. He asked for wisdom. God came to him. He's getting ready to take over as king. This is in 1 Kings 3, 5 through 9. You can write that down, but I'm just going to paraphrase. God asked Solomon what he wants, and Solomon says, I want wisdom. I want to know how to rule. And God says, I will give it to you. 
because you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for long life, you asked for wisdom. I'm going to give you so much that no one else before or after to this day will ever come as close to Solomon. James in the New Testament is considered the Proverbs of the New Testament, which is where we find the verse, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. Proverbs is immensely practical, and the key verse is found in chapter 1. I'm going to read one, uh, sorry, I'm going to read verse 2 through 7 here. The purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand wise sayings. Through these Proverbs, people will receive instruction in discipline, good conduct, and doing what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will make the simple-minded clever. They will give knowledge and purpose to young people. Let those who are wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. And let those who understand receive guidance by exploring the depth of the meaning in these Proverbs, parables, wise sayings, and riddles. And here's the key verse of the whole book, uh, Proverbs 1-7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. And most of the book of Proverbs contrast these two groups, fools, which you can assume those that don't know God, that don't fear him, because that's the beginning of wisdom, and the wise. This book is like any other book in the Bible. It's not all, thus saith the Lord, and thee and thou. Um, it's not a list of promises from God. It's not a story. It's practical. It's guidelines on living with wisdom um, and living or learning how to love your neighbor as yourself. And friendships, relationships are messy, and we need wisdom to navigate relationships. Eugene Peterson, he is um, a pastor. He's an author. He's the one that translated it in the, the Bible into the message translation. He says this, Many people think that what's written in the Bible has mostly to do with getting people into heaven, getting right with God, saving their eternal souls. It does have to do with that, of course, but not mostly. It is equally concerned with living on this earth, living well, living in robust sanity. I love that part. Robust sanity. In our scriptures, heaven is not the primary concern to which earth is a tag-along afterthought. On earth as it is in heaven is Jesus' prayer. Wisdom is the biblical term for this on earth as it is in heaven, everyday living. And here's the really cool part. Jesus is wisdom personified. Colossians 3, 2, in him lie hidden excuse me, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Or 1 Corinthians 1, 30, God made Christ to be wisdom itself. Wisdom itself. You want to be wise? You can walk with wisdom himself. You can talk with wisdom himself. And we need this wisdom for our friendships.
Now, it's important to understand that the purpose of Proverbs, it's, it's meant to be read a little bit differently than the rest of the Bible. Let me give you an example. I picked the most famous one. This is in the Bible. This is in Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. You guys familiar with that? That gets thrown back at God like somehow it's his fault if a child goes astray. But because Proverbs is immensely practical in its wisdom, we see that train is an action verb. Train means there's some action involved by those parents. They're complicit and the child is complicit because it has free will. So it's not, God, you promised if I train up my child. See the difference? It's wisdom literature. It's practical. And if you want more information on this, I have books for you. <laughs> I just had to squeeze that in there on how to read. Because the Bible, you don't just read it the same every single book. It's brilliant, but it's, it's not all the same. Proverbs 27.6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's the NIV translation, NLT. Wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Or the uh, ESV says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an, enem en sorry, an enemy. And this, this last translation is the closest to the original Hebrew, which says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Or, if you want a modern paraphrase, how about this? It's better to be slapped with the truth than kissed with a lie. You can't trust the kisses of an enemy. Because if you remember how Jesus was betrayed with a kiss from Judas, his friend. We learn the wounds of a friend can be trusted, are better, they're faithful. And why do we have to talk about wounds? Why can't we just all, why can't I mind my own business? Why do I have to get involved? When we're all, when we're all nice to each other, everybody smiles, there's no problems. But here's why I've got a little list, and it's not exhaustive, but it's, it's a start. This is why this is in the Bible, wounds of a friend, because we all have blind spots. We're brilliant at lying to ourselves. We don't know what we don't know. I'm, I'm standing in this little square space. I've got one body, one mind. All I know is how I see the world. So you may have something that I don't know. I'm not seeing. We all have blind spots. Paul Tripp, author and pastor, says, all of us need our covers blown at times. Otherwise, we will never feel pressured to deal with our spots, wrinkles, and blemishes in our character. For whatever reason, I don't know why, but God has us living in community. He has us in a church. He has us in a family. He has us in a marriage. He has us in a business. He has us in a friendship. That's just the way it is. We live in community for a reason. Part of loving your neighbor as yourself is warning them of things they aren't seeing clearly or maybe not at all. Do you love enough to tell the truth? Yes, it can be uncomfortable. 
but I'm guessing most of the time they're going to thank you. Do you have a friend who loves you enough? Why? Because in the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery. That's a direct quote out of Proverbs 28, 23. In the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery. Dostoevsky said, Nothing in the world is harder than speaking the truth, and nothing is easier than flattery. But, Proverbs 29.5, to flatter people is to lay a trap for their feet. Don't you honestly find something so refreshing about people when you're around people that just tell it like it is? They just speak the truth. There's something so good about that. But there's reasons why this phrase, these phrases exist. The truth hurts. No pain, no gain. Yeah, the truth hurts, but making terrible life choices, making a fool of yourself, or worse, is much worse. I'm going to give you a little example from my own life. About 14-ish years ago, I worked at Nordstrom in the cosmetic department. I lasted four months. I thought they were going to train me. Turns out I was just there on my own smarts. Everything I learned about makeup until that point was like, okay, spotlight's on, and I didn't know enough. But uh, there was this one time when I had a lady sitting in front of me, and I'm going to do her foundation. And um, so I start putting it on her, and she looks up at me, and she's like, no offense, but I think you're wearing the wrong shade. And here I am. I'm the one with the paycheck. I'm supposed to be the expert, and she's in my chair, and she's telling me I'm wearing the wrong shade. Excuse me? And this was a stranger. And I don't assume she was trying to hurt my feelings. I think she was probably trying to help me. I think she was trying to, you know, constructive criticism. That's a stranger, and I assumed she was just trying to help me, and I, you know, thought, okay. I think, honestly, in this instance, she was incorrect, but I did, of course, look at my face and make sure. But she's a stranger, and I assumed she meant that for my good. How much more should we assume that of our friends? How much more should we trust the wounds of a friend, a parent, a loved one, someone who comes to you and says, I need to tell you something. Is it okay if I tell you some things I've noticed? This should not break up friendships. You should trust people in your life when they want to tell you something. Here's a couple of guidelines for the giver of the wounds. Speak the truth in love because love is the WD-40 of relationships. The Bible says it covers a multitude of sins. It's just that grease that just makes it a little easier if you can keep that love in mind. Truth is not just our opinion. You got to walk with wisdom to figure out what the difference is. We got a lot of opinions, but that's not always hard and fast. That's the truth. Keep in mind there's an appropriate time Think the opening verse, loudly blessing your neighbor. There's an appropriate time to bringing something up to somebody. 
I would check your motive. You should be going into a conversation like this with trepidation and caution. If you're excited about confronting a friend, I'm going to set that person straight. There's something wrong. I think a motive is a little bit off. Proverbs 24:26 says, "An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips." Now, if you're the person that's receiving on the other end of the wound, Proverbs 1:7, "Only fools despise wisdom and discipline." So there's some humbleness involved. You don't know everything. You just got to be comfortable with that. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. Recognize that you have blind spots and be humble enough to listen. Trust those that love you. The wounds are meant to restore, not destroy. Do you have a friend to tell you the truth? It just takes one. Are you that kind of friend? I do work at a bookstore, and about a year ago, I felt impressed to do something. I felt impressed to write a letter to my coworkers, and there's about 20 or 30 of them. I, I started writing this letter. I drafted this letter. And a couple months later, my dad died, and I felt even more impressed to continue with this letter to give to my coworkers and to lay out the truth of the gospel because time is so short. It was very sudden and abrupt, and it made it really real. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is real life. We're all in the globe. And I'm not suggesting that everyone should do this. I'm just telling you what I feel like I need to do And it started with a book I read, and I'm going to read this quote to you in a minute, but um, I felt impressed after this book, and then when my dad died, I felt even more the urgency to do this. And uh, this is a quote by Penn Gillette. He's part of Penn & Teller, the magicians, uh, the entertainer. He's he's an atheist, very vocal about being an atheist. And he had this to say following one of his live performances. A member of the audience came up and gave him a copy of the New Testament, and he said this. I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them? I think he overstates that hate part just a little. It makes me uncomfortable because I think there's a myriad of reasons why we don't share the gospel. But he really makes a good point, doesn't he? And so it may be, this is kind of extreme on the range of telling your friends the truth as far as leading them to salvation. Because how can we say we love someone if we're not willing to share the gospel with them? That's one example of speaking the truth. But really, we need to be willing and open to speaking the truth in all our friendships and all our relationships. Let me pray for you.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Jesus, who is the ultimate friend, the ultimate truth speaker. He is the truth. He is wisdom. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us to learn to walk with wisdom in all our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.